Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. It was the year King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each one having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they flew. And they were, called, and they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of all hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it is over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Almighty God. It's a revelation. Isaiah has a revelation of Jesus Christ, of God himself on the throne, and it shakes the very foundation, very similar to the, uh, the vision that John has in chapter 1 when he says, I saw him, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. We've been talking about Revelation. And we've been talking about how in the book of Revelation, the whole goal of the book, the whole reason for the book is so that you and I get a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to be honest with you. When you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, like we read this as if, as if, John like is seeing it like outside of himself. It doesn't say that he saw them that way. As a matter of fact, he could be having a vision within himself about seeing Christ. Same thing with, with, uh, with Isaiah. And that's actually what the Lord wants you and I to have. He wants us to have a revelation. Not that, that, that Jesus is some distant figure and we see him way over there and, and we see who he is. But what he wants us to have is a revelation inside our hearts of who Jesus Christ is and see him for who he really is. Because that's the kind of revelation that you and I need, that I need that. I need glimpses of Jesus Christ in my heart because we so much, many, many times want to have this distance between us and God. And there's a reason for that. And there's a reason for that. Just because the same, same thing that happened here, Isaiah, what does he say? He says, oh no, when he sees the Lord, when he has this vision, this revelation, he says, oh no, I am a, a man of unclean lips, and, and I am in, like, big trouble. And John, he falls on his, his face as though dead because he's scared because God just revealed himself, you know, to them. And that's, that's what we, that is my prayer for you. As a matter of fact, before I even get into this anymore, I want to pray that God gives you a revelation of how amazing and, and Paul says it this way, that you might know how wide, how deep, 
and how long the love of Jesus is. This is not something we need to see outside ourselves. This is something we have to have a revelation of Jesus Christ within our heart. So, Lord, I pray right now that during this time, Lord God, each one of us here that is listening, that, Father, they would hear your voice like John. They would turn and they would look. And, Lord God, they wouldn't see from a distance. They wouldn't see, in a sense, outside themselves. But, Lord, inside our hearts, we would get a revelation of how amazing, how powerful, how holy, how filled with joy, how filled with wanting to make sure that we are okay. Lord, all of these revelations, Lord God, I pray they would burst within our being. And Lord God, because I know that when that happens, we can run through a troop and leap over a wall. That Father, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That Lord God, we can be content in every situation because Lord God, we see you high and lifted up and we experience who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. See, oftentimes, you know, we, we shrink back when we see God. We, we kind of push back when we see God. As a matter of fact, I have a question here. Like, how do you receive correction? See, you have to understand, when you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, you're going to get a revelation of pure holiness, of pure truth, of purity itself. Well, let me say it this way, purity himself. Because Jesus is the word. And so when you get a revelation of the word, that word is going to burst inside your bones and every lie, every impurity, every thought, every will become filled with light. And I don't know about you, I'm like, I'm like Isaiah, man. I fall, Lord, it's like, oh no, I'm in big trouble because I realize how different you are from who I am or who you want me to be. And so like, how do you receive correction? Uh, oftentimes, you know, when, when someone's trying to correct us, we make excuses. You've heard me say this many times, you know. Uh, someone will tell you, you did something wrong. You say, well, I was tired that day. You make an excuse. You're afraid to come into the light. And what this whole book of Revelation is about is to come into the light. Because when you come into the light, you don't have to be afraid. Like, you don't have, this is what Jesus said to John. Be not afraid. You don't have to be afraid when you come into the truth because the truth will set you free. And God wants to set you free. And that's why it's better that we know than we don't know. I was been talking. I, I've been, I, I just, just before this, I was asking some, uh, some of my friends, you know, how do you feel when, if, like, okay, let's get the picture. Jesus comes in to these seven churches, as I said last week, and he reads each book, each letter to each church. He reads them in every church. So the, the church of Ephesians hears, you know, Smyrna's letter. The church of Philadelphia hears the, the letter from Laodicea. And I said, imagine that Jesus came in to your family. He came to your home and you had all your family, you know, some aunts and uncles and, 
And he says, I have letters for each one of you. And everybody gets excited or, you know, some don't because some are worried. And he begins to read letters to each person. And he says, behold, I am the lamb of God. I am the alpha and omega. And I know this about you. And I praise you for this. And, 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 and I tell you, hey, you need to fix some of these areas. And if you don't fix them, you're going to be in trouble. And here's the promise if you overcome. And he does this to everyone who's sitting there except for you. He doesn't say your name. He never talks to you. Now, I've been told that in some situations, some people are happy about that. They're happy that, that God wouldn't say their name. I want God to say my name, even if it's bad. The Bible says that he loves those that he like, talks to, that he disciplines. He, if he doesn't talk to you, if he doesn't tell you where you're at, if he's not there when you need help, then it says that he doesn't love you. So I want to hear my name. I want to hear a letter from God. I want to hear him talk to me. I want to hear him say my name and, and tell me, yes, these are the good things. And yes, these are the things you need to change. And last week we looked at uh, two of the letters out of the seven. And we saw that two out of the seven letters, there was absolutely no uh, uh, correction or no rebuke. The, book, the, you know, the, the Philadelphia, the church of Philadelphia in Smyrna, they, Jesus never said anything wrong with them. We learned that he said one of the reasons is they were going through suffering and they remained faithful. And, and, and so in the next five letters, he, he tells them, he gives them praises and everything. But I want to share with you some of the things that he's going to talk about in these letters that are not so good. See, again, I'm going to continue to tell you that the reason why God wants to tell you things to fix is because he knows that you're going to go through trials and struggles and pressures. And if you continue to allow that weakness to stay in your life, continue to allow that sin and the, the wrong thinking in your life, then that very thing will be your downfall. Not only will be your downfall, you will lose something. I don't... I was talking to... Uh, one of the fathers, because it was Father's Day last week, and I was talking to him about his worries and things as a father. And one of the things we worry about our kids is we don't want our kids to, like, lose their reputation. We don't want our kids to um, lose an opportunity where they could be uh, uh, victorious. And sometimes we watch our kids and we see that, like, Say, let's say they're athletes, and, and we, we know that they can be so good, but we see them not really uh, being disciplined the way they should be or not practicing and reaching their potential. And sometimes it, it grieves us, and we'll tell them, listen, do you realize how good you can actually be? Like, if you only realized how good you could be, then, you know, be disciplined. And sometimes... You know, kids are kids, and they'll say, yeah, dad, whatever, and then they, they don't fulfill their, their full potential. And when they don't, we grieve as parents because we know they missed the prize. And in the same way, God wants to reveal himself to you. 
And he wants to show you the truth, not to make you feel bad, not to judge you, not to condemn you, but to help you so that when you go through trials, you will come forth as gold when your tribe tried, like it says in Job. That when you go through trials, your faith will be genuine, as we said last week. So this is why Jesus tells people the truth. You know, <laughs> I, I, I didn't see as much Indonesian idol as I saw the beginnings of American Idol. And, you know, I really love my daughter about this, my second daughter, because she hated that show. She never liked it because in the beginning, you know, they would always have these guys come on whose parents told them they were great singers. Oh, you're a great singer. You're going to do amazing things, you know. Told them about these great... And they would go before the judges, and they were terrible. And what would happen? What would happen in your home? Everybody would laugh. They'd say, oh, look. And they, but you know what? My, my daughter, would. she hated that because she didn't like to laugh at people. I appreciate that about her. But why didn't the parents tell them the truth so they didn't have to be embarrassed? Why didn't they just say, you know what? I love you, but I got to tell you, God didn't give you the voice. He gave you other gifts. Because it would save you embarrassment if you knew. And so knowing yourself, knowing who you are, you know, just this week, I, I, I sat down and we were going over some really interesting stuff. I'm really excited about some of the restart. We'll be restarting. Uh, don't get nervous. We're, we're, we, we've never stopped. So restarting is, a, is something, anyways, whatever, you understand. But as we were going through it, I, uh, I volunteered for something. You know, I volunteered to oversee a, a, a a part of a project. But right underneath it, I wrote, Pastor Don will oversee this project. And right underneath it, I said, but he will need an administrator with him. Why? Because my administration skills are terrible. I'm just so bad at organizing. I'm good at, uh, you know, other things, but organizing, I'm not. Someone will give me, a, they'll give me a book to say, hey, Pastor Don, you should read this. You know what my first question is to them? Do I have to give it back to you? If they say yes, I say, I don't want it because I'll lose it. I'll forget it. I'll, something will happen because I know who I am. And people have told me who I am. It's good to know who you are. And in this case, that's what Jesus is doing to these churches. He's not doing it to embarrass them or to make them malu. He's doing it to help them. And so I just want to cover a few things. I'm not going to like hit every church. I'm just going to share with you like five things I see that's in some of the churches that if they don't, fix when trials come when struggles come those things will be their downfall remember that verse in ephesians it says uh, don't let the sun go down in your anger because when you do you'll give the devil a foothold so like if you're an angry person and you don't learn to take care of that the devil gets like a foothold in there and at certain times that's where he will enter and he will cause your downfall that's what Jesus is doing here in, in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. So let's jump in. So one of the first thoughts, uh, there's, like, there's like five different things. And the first thing is, he says, uh, you have moved away from what is most important. That's something that will cause your downfall. Basically, he says, you have forgotten your first love. 
Now, many people, this is the Ephesian church, and many people say, oh, it means I'm supposed to love Jesus. But no, the Ephesian church actually was the church, the church, the, the, the church in Ephesus was the one who started all the other six churches. It was from that church. They had such a love for people, a love for telling people about God, for leading them into the truth, for caring about people. That was their love, and God loved their love. And when he's saying they forgot their first love, they forgot that loving others was not the second commandment. It's not love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second one. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like the first, which means he's saying they're together. They're the same. And he said what? To love thy neighbor as thyself. And so he says to the church in Ephesus, you don't love me or you don't love each other as you did at first. So look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do and return to your first love. And the first love is to love other people, to continue to give out of yourself to others. Number two. This is in several different churches in uh, Ephesians, uh, in Revelation two, uh, 2 and 3, but I'll just read one. It says in uh, Revelations 2, 14, it says, you tolerate some among you whose teaching are like Balaam. And he says, who showed Balak how to trip up people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and to commit sexual immorality. In the same way, you have some Nicolonians among you who follow the same teaching. So what he's saying is teaching that leads us into unholy life. Those kind of thoughts and lies and teachings will hurt you when the pressure comes. Will not, they, they will cause you to deny Jesus when you need to acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior. And in this case, it led them into you know, uh, sin, into sexual sin. But there's a lot of things. There's, there's, let me give you one. Oh, I, I've heard this said. Oh, God is so full of grace. And so, you know, I can just, you know, I don't have to be holy because God forgives me of whatever I do. That is a teaching that we sometimes tolerate. And in tolerating, it leads us into sin. And that's not what God is saying. God says, be holy for I am holy. Look, come on, let's be honest. He wants us to lead a holy life. Why? So the devil can't get a foothold in you. So that, so that he can't put pressure on you in the weak areas when you're under stress and trial and then you crumble. God doesn't want you to lose anything. He wants you to gain. He wants you to triumph. He wants you to overcome. Number three, it says in Revelations 2.20, he says, you permit that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead servants astray. And of course, it is so often that these kind of teaching leads us into uh, sexual sin. I mean, today, come on, the sexual charge in the world, trust me, no different than back in Rome. Rome had that same kind of, of uh, spiritual environment. 
And she would lead people into sin, into offerings. And she would, she would, say, um, she would say, hey, do this. Now, what's the spirit of Jezebel? The spirit of Jezebel is very interesting. I don't have a, I could teach a whole series on the spirit of Jezebel. We experienced that back in America and we, uh, oh, do I, I'm just going to tell the story. This is like an amazing story. So we realize that the spirit of Jezebel, the spirit of Jezebel is a, is a spirit of control and, and like it, it, it's in very different areas, but they use godly things to control and manipulate it's a very devious spirit. And, and sometimes uh, the, the uh, leaders in church leaders have allowed that spirit to come in them and kind of control people and, and manipulate and do these things. And, and it's always under the guise, God spoke to me. God told me this. This is why the prophetic is so uh, important that we do it correctly. So we realized we had the spirit of Jezebel and we said, we got we to gotta, we gotta rat this thing out. Right? we got to really get this thing out of there. So we did a week of prayer and fasting. And on a Friday night, right before the, the, that day, God gave me a word. And I, I brought a bowl in. And I put this brass bowl. And I said, tonight, and I had a piece of paper. And I said, tonight, we're going to repent of everything. And so we gave out the papers. And I had already given one of my spiritual leaders the, um, the duty of praying over, researching, and making sure. And she had a... She, she had, it was he or she, I can't remember, had a, like a paper this big of the spirit of Jezebel, right? And so everybody had these papers and I said, write down the things you want to repent from. And of course, we ended up having this huge pile uh, and it was so big that I couldn't put it all in to the bowl itself because we were going to burn them all. So we began to just worship God and I began to keep putting paper after paper in the, in the bowl. And I, I, I knew that big paper was the spirit of Jezebel. I said, I'll wait till the end. And, and like the fire out of the bowl was like this high. And we just, kept, I just kept, we just kept praising God and thanking God that he was letting us repent of these things. And finally, I got to the last piece of paper. And I said, and this is the spirit of Jezebel. And God, we repent from this thing because this thing will not have control over anyone in our church. And I threw it on the fire. And when I threw it on the fire... The fire went out. The paper wouldn't burn. So, of course, my logic sense said, well, I covered the whole bowl with the, with the paper. And so I, you know, I took away its oxygen, and that's why it didn't burn. So I took out a match, and I started lighting the paper, and the paper would not light. Six matches, that paper would not light. Finally, uh, a prophet in our, in our church stood up and said, what do you think? Do you think that just by burning a piece of paper, this will go away? We need to repent. And so we got on our knees and we spent the next half hour just repenting from God and crying out for God for change. And finally, we felt the Holy Spirit fall in the room. And as soon as we felt the Holy Spirit fall in the room, I, I said, I can see it's broken. I took the mat, one match, took the match, boom, the paper lit right up and went away. There's a spirit sometimes that we need to get on our knees and repent of because it will control us. And during times of struggle, it will get in and destroy us. And that's the spirit of Jezebel. And, 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 and God wants to make sure that we don't try to control people. We believe in freedom, so we can't use God as a, as a tool to control people. Matter of fact, any truth that comes out should be setting you free. If it's not setting you free, you might want to wonder if it's the real truth. 
The next one is um, complacency. Complacency. So if lose, you know, leaving your first love, teachings that lead you to unholiness, um, spirit of Jezebel. Another one he talks about is complacency. Now, this one is out of Revelation 3. It says, I know all the things you do, that you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen the things that remain. For even what is left is almost dead. Woo! Complacency. Living on your reputation. Did you know that 25 years ago, I'm just making this up because for me it was like 35 years ago. Now I'm getting old. 35 years ago, I asked Jesus in my heart. And so I know I'm a Christian. And I live just on that one thought. I never really do anything. I just live on my reputation. You know, I, in America, I started, you know, five churches, and then that's all I do, and I stop, and I don't continue. I live on my reputation. God doesn't want us to live on our reputation. God wants us to love him now, to continue to be faithful. I have run the good race, Paul said. I have finished the race. A prize is set before me. Those who remain faithful till the end, the Bible says. So wake up. Don't live on your, uh, just in, in your complacency. Wake up. That's what he says. Apathy is another one. This, I know it sounds like I'm giving you all the tough things, but I've got to cover this because if I don't tell the truth, how, am I, how are you going to get set free? Apathy. I know all the things you do, it says in Revelations 3.15. You, you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Apathy, not caring. I don't care. I don't care that people are dying around me without Jesus. I don't care that people are starving around me because of this, this situation we're in. I don't care. You know, actually, life is quite easy when you don't care. It's pretty easy. But it's apathy. It's not caring about people around you. It's not caring about whether you hurt people. It's not caring on whether you truly love God and love others like we said before. <laughs> In this verse, Jesus says, I would actually have, rather have you totally against me, basically. He has more respect for someone who is completely opposed to him than someone who just doesn't care. That's an interesting statement. But why do we want to find ourselves on the other side of God? So apathy. Now, as I said, if we continue in these things, we're going... To, Jesus goes on and says, we're going to lose things. I want you to go back and read Revelations 2 and Revelation 3. Read it all. Read the letters. They're good for you. You'll get a revelation of Jesus. You'll be blessed, the Bible says. Revelation says, if you read this book, you will be blessed. Go get blessed. Read chapters 2 and 3. Because what God is looking, he's giving them this letter because he's looking down at them and he's saying, I don't want you to lose things. And things that he says you're going to lose in these books, he says, like, you'll lose your standing with me. I don't want you to lose your standing with me. He says, you're going to lose your crowns. He doesn't want you to lose your crowns. 
He says, you're going to find yourself on the other side of me, like opposing me. If you don't, can I say it this way? If you don't get your act together. Because that's what the Bible says. That's what, that's what Revelations 6 and through 19 is all about. When trials come, are you going to be faithful? If you have these things in your life, they're going to become a difficult stumbling block. He says, you're going you're to find yourself on the other side of God. You're going to find yourself naked. That's what he says. And shameful. Because on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed in all his glory, that's all we're going to see is his glory. Everything else that's not of him will be burned up. And I, I welcome that. Because I know that inside me I have Jesus Christ. And so let him burn away all the stuff that's no good. It's fine with me. I, I, I welcome that. Now, finally, there's a difference between judgment, condemnation, and correction. Judgment is in the end. It's in the end. You don't have Jesus Christ? Yeah. But if you have Jesus, the judgment is already done. He says, it is finished. You have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To this week, I saw someone come to Jesus. I saw their names written in the book of life. I saw the judgment on them. And you know what their judgment was? Innocent. Not guilty. Not, not guilty. Innocent. Woo! That's a judgment. I, I want that judgment. Condemnation is when, when people put you down and condemn you as if they're somewhat high. Right now, Jesus is next to you. He's beside you. He's with you. He wants to lift you up. He doesn't want to condemn you. Correction helps you. And that's what Jesus is doing. And he gives us basically three things. I want to end with this. Three encouragements on how to receive the correction so that now you come forth and you are overcomers. Because in every letter, he says, to him who overcomes. And he gives this amazing promise to all the churches, to him who overcomes. He's almost saying to whoever overcomes, whoever changes and gets rid of these things and follows me and is faithful, they will receive these things. First, he says, wake up. Wake up! It's time we wake up. You know, my father in the morning, I would be in bed. I'd be laying there, you know, the covers over me. You know, I was one of those teenagers, you know. He would walk in the room. It's funny because we would have the curtains, you know, covering the windows. And in my room, the sun would always be rising. You know, I'd be laying in that bed. My father would come in. He'd open the curtains. The light would come bursting in. And he'd say, excuse me, I'm going to use my father's voice. Donald, wake up. And, he, and if I didn't respond, he'd say, Donald, wake up. He would not stop until I said, yes, dad, I hear you. Do you hear the voice of God saying, wake up and strengthen the things that remain? Wake up and follow me. Wake up. Go back to your first love. Wake up from your complacency. Wake up from your apathy and begin to love and, and let the light of God shine through you. Wake up. Number two, he says, turn. 
turn away from those things that want to destroy you, that want to steal and rob from you. Turn from those things. I cannot say it enough. Turn from those things. This has been serious messages because God wants us to be mighty, powerful warriors. And the only way we can do that is to turn from the things that want to destroy us. God will help you do that. He will empower you with the power of the Most High God. And you will see mighty things happen. Finally, he says, it's time that we revive. Revive things. Start reviving. Start going back to our first love. Start reviving it. How do you revive something? You know how you revive a plant? You go into the soil and you begin to turn it over and over. And then you pour fertilizer in it. And you keep loving it. And you keep turning Take the seeds of the word of God and begin to put it in your heart. Revive the things. Sit down with your brothers and sisters. I'm looking at my brother here, you know, Victor. And just sit down and start talking about the things of God, about what will you can love on each other and how we can love better. Start reviving. Let out of your mouth become praises. Revive the things that used to be. That I remember when I first came to Jesus. Jumping off the stage for those that know me. Going to be doing that soon. Anyways, I'm, I'm prophesying. <laughs> you should not be less on fire than the day you first came to Jesus. You should be more. Because the more a hot coal stays around the fire, the hotter it becomes. I'll close with this. This... This old couple, they had been married for, oh boy, 60 years. We're driving down the road, you know. You know, the father was, or the husband was driving the car and the wife was sitting over there. And the wife turns to the father and he says, oh, the husband, her husband and says, says, hey, you know, I remember. I remember when we were young we would ride down in the car and you'd have your arm around me and you'd have one hand on the steering wheel and you'd have the other arm around me and you, you just seemed to love me so much. What happened? Old man just driving like this, quiet for a second, turns to his wife and says, I haven't moved. I've been driving the car the same way. It's you that's moved away from me. We cannot move away from God. We need to move closer and closer and closer to him. Because when we do, we will become white hot fire that will light the, 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 the way for others to come to him, to see and know that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. And you'll have a revelation of who he is and you will be the revelation for others. This is my prayer for you. Let's pray. Father, as we did last week, Lord, we declare you as our Lord and Savior. We turn from the things that are not of you. We, we, Lord, we ask that you awaken our spirits again with, with strength and power and might. That, Father, we would be the light to the nation because you are our God. You are our God over our lives. You are the God over our families. You are the God over our city. You are the God over Bali. You are the God 
who unites people together so that there is harmony one to another. And Father, you are the God of Indonesia. You are the God of the world. We declare this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.